Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You just can't help it. Nobody can help it. doesn't matter how clever you are. Like, Konza was falling for it, for fuck's sake. Konza doesn't fall for anything. Not you, Konza. <laughs> Hi, guys. Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. <sighs> Pep Guardiola, eh? Here we go again. You know, on a week where you might have been guilty of thinking everyone understood that football was was bigger than any one man, Pep Guardiola steps forward. He, he Pep Guardiola looks at a stupid, vicious, and oh-so-pointless studs-up late tackle halfway up a teenager's leg. And Pep Guardiola, not one part of his brain thinks, you know, it might be a bit unfair and a bit irresponsible of me to spend the next five minutes howling about the injustice of it all. I mean, where does this guy get off? Like, where's your moral compass now, Pep Guardiola? Like, you know, all these people who were coming out and applauding him for not saying anything, by the way, on Monday when he was asked about it, basically batting it off given some vague answer uh, about the Super League, that is. Like, you know, where, where's, where's this great Pep Guardiola now who can't just see what a stupid tackle that was by John Stones? Never mind, a dangerous fucking tackle. And he can't just look at it and say, what are you doing, mate? Like, you, you've let me down yet again. Do you know, like, <laughs> at what point does Pep eventually put aside all the other advantages that he has anyway, the fact that he's definitely going to win these matches, but that little panic that seeps in in every single game, even against Aston Villa, for Christ's sake, he can't just relax, and he can't just call it as it is, a ridiculous tackle from John Stones that was 100% a red card, and it was actually looked at, <laughs> it was looked at on a video replay by the video assistant referee, then the referee who was being absolutely hounded by Pep and all the Man City players 
all game and I thought he might not make this fucking call but he was forced to look at a replay and then he gave the decision and Pep thinks it's within his rights to continue crying about it like disgusting to be honest it was absolutely disgraceful when are people going to admit that Pep Guardiola is a cunt I feel like I'm out here on my own sometimes the man is a narcissistic entitled arsehole I get it He's convinced his billionaire owners to spend 200 million on a back four and then convinced them to do it again when he couldn't get the first lot to defend. That's impressive. <laughs> He's an impressive man. He gets his incredible, expensively assembled squads to play beautiful and effective football. And he always seems to be innovating. But he can be two things at the same time. And Pep Guardiola is a brilliant manager and a cunt. This is a man who not only defended his player for posting a racist tweet he joined in he said the images were similar one was a human one was a cartoon piece of chocolate pep guardiola is a scumbag he's a defensive narcissistic arsehole and he gets away with it because his teams tried to score i mean he has to have a sense that that tackle was heavy he now knows that the referee who has been riding them all game has had a look at a replay of it if a red card is given after those two things, then it has to be a red card. Just look at the replay. All your coaching staffs have a fucking iPad. Have a look. Don't make an absolute tit of yourself again. The fourth officials in action on the sideline as well, like just just emboldened them. Like it, it's like Pep is so far above these English Premier League referees, yet again, like, you know, English Premier League officials are sort of coming into question. They got that decision, right? So maybe it doesn't really matter, but but Jesus, they can be pushed around. You know, Peter Peter Banks was was crying out to be bullied in that game, and, and Man City were were gladly taking up taking him up on that offer. Like you're you're talking about the the him defending his, his racist player, his player for being racist. Like that's that's obviously the for anybody who passes by, and I don't think it passed anybody by, but Bernardo Silva and, and Mendy. And yeah, Pep doubles down and then brings it up again. And I can't believe that it actually never came back, you know, a few months later when 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 we started going through the archives, when we started having a, a bit of a look at ourselves and, and actually asking questions of people and stuff that they've said in the past. Pep Guardiola seemed to seem to get away with it. Like he seems to get away with everything. Like you're you're right. Like Pep is brilliant. That like and that doesn't mean he's not a cunt. And him being a cunt doesn't mean that he's not brilliant. Yeah, we can differentiate those two. But just the the arrogance of him and the the rudeness and like as I say it is it's it's irresponsible to react to a tackle like that the way he did. And it's it's it couldn't have been any clearer that it was a red card as well. And even the commentary around it, they were saying he'll be lucky if he doesn't get sent off here. It's like, what are you talking about? This is so far from him being lucky if he doesn't get sent off here. It would be an absolute scandal if he didn't get sent off. Yeah. That, like, that is the picture that's next to a red card in the FIFA rulebook. That's what they show <laughs> you. That's what a red card tackle is. And yet again, it was it was John Stones. Yet again, it was John Stones uh, freaking out in a position that he doesn't need to be freaking out in. He's um, he's just like a glutton for punishment, really. Like he just does not need to be in that position, and he he puts himself in it, and he doesn't need to then act the way he did from that position. And 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 the way he did, like it was it was a scummy tackle. Like you know, 
uh, there's an argument that some people are making that you know he was going for the ball. Like, you know, that doesn't matter anyway. Like regardless if he's going for the ball, it's up to him to have a bit of fucking control over his body and not go stud first into somebody's knee almost. Only because Ramsey had lifted his leg that it didn't go into his knee. Um, but then, like you know, John Stones is. <laughs> I can't be too hard on him because I don't think there's anything more beautiful in football than John Stones misjudging the flight of a ball. <laughs> and, and here we are again on the right side of the Man City defence. A high, hopeful ball going up over the top. Actually, it was a decent ball this time. It wasn't the same as the one in Wembley uh, for the League Cup final last year. But John Stones just conspires against himself to fall flat in his face yet again releasing the Villa attack who like, otherwise wouldn't have a chance from this. Like, bloody Samata scored at Wembley because of John Stones. And now, like, you, know, you give Ollie Watkins a chance like that, he's going to put somebody going to put somebody through. And, like, John McGinn did really well. Lovely finish. Yeah, we, we can always rely on John Stones. He's just... He's got such a consistent output. He's absolutely lethal. He has more goal involvements for Villa than Samago. And he's only played for us four or five times. I mean... It's the goal is absolutely brilliant from the five other players. It's really clever and brilliantly executed from Target and Mings. And it's a lovely little flick around the corner from John Stones and it's a brilliant pullback from Watkins and a lovely finish. <laughs> a flick around the corner from John Stones. Um what about the what about the Foden goal? I think people are giving him too much credit for uh for being cheeky, not looking at the ball. Like, I, I actually just think if you, if a ball is coming across, like, it's going behind you and you're trying to make sure you get your foot around it and get your body over it, you naturally sort of turn the top part of your body and your head turns away. Then, no, it did look a bit weird that he was, his eyes and everything were completely just looking across the pitch. But I do think it was just a consequence of him wrapping his foot around it and twisting his body to make sure he got a proper connection. Yeah, I mean, because it's Foden, I'm inclined to believe that he did it intentionally. And because it's Foden, that's definitely why people are talking about it. I mean, it's super slow motion. We don't actually know what's happening there. You can't actually tell what's happening in real life from a replay like that. And also, it would just be utterly pointless for him to try to give the keeper the eyes. Just put your foot on it and it's going into the net. The, the pullback's perfect. That goal just absolutely summed up Man City in the first the first half the speed of thought from everyone involved the intensity the ruthlessness the precision even you know it's an incredible goal and so it's why we love football but yeah we don't have to start pretending that Foden's done something brilliant with his body shape for the goal he's, he's doing enough during that game but as beautiful as the goal was, marvellous Nakamba, what are you doing, son? Oh. You just watches Foden play the ball and just watches the ball while he drifts into a pointless position in the box. He's not even taking up space. He's just he's just he's opening up space. He's telling Silva where they play it. He hasn't a fucking clue where Foden is. And Foden punishes it, obviously. This is um a good topic that you've raised because Douglas Louise getting a lot of abuse tonight. Rightly so. He was not good. He was he was very bad, and we'll talk about him <laughs> a lot later. But like Nakamba gets away with it because there's just no expectation of him. Like the only expectation people have in Nakamba, and it's 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 overblown, it's overhyped, is that he can help defensively. And he, he doesn't do that. He just watches everything like Nakamba just takes up the best position of any Philophon to watch these games on. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that's that's what he does. And um, and when I saw the team tonight, I was like, what? You know, I know we're all guilty of <laughs> of having a knee jerk reaction when you see a team sheet, but like this this team was weird. Like you know, it's like oh, Brendan Jacob Rams is here, first name I saw, and then it's like well, the camp is here too, and Louise and McGinn. And, you know, on some level, I got it in that it was a very, very flat 4-5-1 for, um, for defensive shape. And, like, you know, you're going to be forced into that anyway with City. So it made sense to just set up with it from the off. But, like, it really, apart from that first 20 seconds, like, Villa were, Villa were so flat. Like, you know, like the, the annoying thing there tonight, and again, like, expecting to lose against City. Like, you know, we don't need to qualify that anymore tonight, but City were there <laughs> to be taken, especially in the second half. Like, as soon as Stones get sent off, which, you know, was probably a hindrance to Aston Villa having John Stones taken out from that match. But as soon as he was off, City just sort of rested on their laurels and never got back out of it. Even when, when Matt Cash got sent off, they didn't they didn't step it up a gear. And... and Villa just kept going down the gears, if that was possible. Yeah, he probably should have taken the Camba off earlier, but I I don't know if... It's hard to tell how anybody played in the first half. City were absolutely fucking brilliant. I, I, I haven't seen City play that well in a couple of weeks, or months maybe. Like They were absolutely zipping the ball around. Everybody was running non-stop. The angles of the runs were perfect. The overlaps, the interchange, it was all absolutely brilliant. It's horrible to watch, obviously. But City were yeah. incredible. They played with just an unbelievable intensity and scoring early. <laughs> Fucked over everybody, and particularly Marvellous Nakamba. <laughs> Do you remember that uh, that media tournament that we played in last year, two years ago? <laughs> and, like, you know, it was all going really well. Like, we had a good team, finally. We made it through the groups. Like, we, we topped the group. We, we won the quarterfinal match. We were fucking flying. And then we had to play this group of uh, ex-pros <laughs> in the semi-final. And, like, you know, they're all 40, or f- at least. But they're, they're ex-pros, and they just fucking destroyed us. And, like, you were going into thinking, well, you know, we're all going to be really honest. Like, we know we're all fit. We're all tuned in. We all know what we're doing. I just couldn't get the ball. Like, it's, like, the ball just stuck to their feet, and everybody knew what they were doing. This basically isn't the same, but it's the equivalent. Like, you know, like Man City to the rest of the league are what that team were to that tournament. Like, you know, just just a group so far above everybody else. They have so much time on the ball. They control the ball so easily. They they know where you're going to run to naturally by the shape of your body and they can just fuck fuck you around the place. Like, you know, um it's just it's just easier for teams and it's easier for City. Yeah, I never wanted to talk about that game ever again, let alone in public. <laughs> but that that is the difference. Whenever you can ping the ball into somebody and they're going to kill it every time then you just have yeah defense just has no time to react you just can't get near them and the player just passing the ball can play it faster and faster and faster and because he knows it's going to stop he knows it's going to stick and they're getting it out of their feet too quickly and it's gone again they're they're just absolutely brilliant but of course they are every player costs 50 million well you say that but i've got a theory and whatsapp wins so let's get to it it's just the same run to the byline over and over. Stop fucking panicking. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've seen enough of these boys now to know what they're up to. Like, <laughs> fucking John Stones is doing it as well. It's that automatic. Like, you know, when, when there's nobody else to do it, he will sprint into the byline. It's either an overlap or an underlap. It's usually an underlap. And, you know, I, 
it's obviously very effective. I can't believe more teams aren't doing it. Like it, it is relentless. Like City come into that sort of it's it's not the wing and it's not it's not inside. It's sort of halfway between the wing and inside, obviously, in their corner of the box, and then just they just pepper the byline with runners. And what that does is it drags the midfielders who have come back to help out. It drags them to follow the runners and it it freaks the fullback out. And then that gives them more space where Mares or De Bruyne or whoever the fuck you want punishes you. Or you just passes it to those players at the byline, then they pull it back like the like the Foden goal. But it just works over and over and over. And I'm thinking, like, why 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 do you let that work? Like you, you know they're gonna do that. Surely we've watched enough tape going into this game. Even like we, we I saw enough evidence in the first half of it, like you know, to to try and do something at half time. I know your question is what would you do? And it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking, like, just just let them have it on the byline and then try and try and ward off everything else. Try like try and box them there. Like they're not going to score from the byline. So let Emmy Martinez sort that out if they come too close. And then just just manage everybody else in the box and watch that bloody pullback that you keep getting caught with all the time. Let the player have the ball on the byline, see what happens. It it is incredible because City have been doing this for four years. I mean, Sani and Sterling both got 25 goals one season just from doing this. Yeah. Just doing the same run, both of them doing it, playing it back to the other one. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. Just did it all season and then continued it for the next two years. And <laughs> nobody is reacting to it. Dean Smith knows Man City do this. So does every other manager. And this is what makes it so interesting. This is rife for a sports psychologist to have a look at. Because what is making these players do that? They're, they're told before the game that they have to have to be wary of this. But they're all still getting suckered in. It's John Stones. Never mind let him have it in the byline. Let John Stones have it in the byline. <laughs> yeah. And and that's it. Like it is, because um, I, 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 after a while I'm watching it thinking, right, how, how does this keep working? Never mind, like, you know, keep happening. And I get... You know, maybe, maybe, maybe you want to follow them, or maybe you are going to get distracted. But then there was one stage somebody had the ball in the byline, and this is the one that Emmy Martin has actually blocked the cross then coming in. But mm. he, it was actually so lucky that he did because Tyrone Mings, it's not that he fell asleep, but somebody had gotten free behind him because it's just it happens so fast, and then he's watching somebody on the outside of the box, or he's he's looking for this pullback. Meanwhile, this guy has run in. He's looking for the ball across the box end. But maybe that's the answer. Let them have that ball across if they can get it. But Martinez will block it probably. I don't know. It's it's, it's hard. But like the way people are trying to counter it at the minute is not effective. And they need to start making allowances for the person to have that ball. Because they're going to get it. Nobody stopped them getting the ball there. <laughs> and you obviously don't want to give them space at the edge of the box because they've punished enough people because of that. So we have to start thinking of a different plan. And it has to be what happens when they do get it, and like yeah, let's 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 all just if we if we all just mark this man in the box, like, you know, it'll be grand. Uh, the odd time somebody might do something amazing to get by. Yeah, like it's the speed, it's the speed of their play though as well. Like, your head's absolutely scrap. Like, sorry, it's not just the speed of the play; it's the fact that they had the ball for the previous twenty passes as well. You don't have the ball; you're fucking knackered. And it's just the speed with which they, they ramp it up. And if you just panic, you just do. If the ball goes past, Phil Foden runs past you, you run with him. You just can't help it. Nobody can help it. Doesn't matter yeah. how clever you are. 
Like Konza was falling for it for fuck's sake. Konza <laughs> doesn't fall for anything. Not you, Konza. <laughs> um, yeah, like the, it's actually interesting. You could be onto something. It, this could work <laughs> because um, Pep was talking about Foden earlier in the season. Uh, and just how good he is, and then what he needs to bring to his game now. And he, he said, used the word pausa. He needs more pausa. And it's basically, he was saying that Foden needs to know that you can't always just be playing, you know, at 100% intensity, mm. speed. Like, you can't always just go for a killer blow. You need to know when to bring the tempo back down and then shift it again. And he's, he's obviously just relying on melting defenders' heads by like those quick bursts and those quick changes and, and changing the tempo and lulling them into a false sense of security or moving them over to the other side of the pitch and then bang! You know? And then they're all worried about this person going to the byline and then the ball's cut back and bang, goal. Yeah, it's very, it's very good manager. Yeah, he's a good manager. Conto, don't forget that. <laughs> Second WhatsApp point. Did that actually just happen? I assume... You're talking about one of the biggest cock-ups, one of the worst things I've ever seen in a football pitch. <laughs> Given a free kick yes. because he sees a professional footballer on the ground yeah. saying that he's hurt. Sure, oh. the ball would be in play for 60 seconds every game if that was the criterion. A professional footballer saying that he's hurt. I mean, <laughs> fuck me. He saw the whole incident. He pointed play on. Saw the player on the ground and what? Felt sorry for him? Has Peter Banks never seen a football match before? I um honestly I, I have to question whether he has or not. It, it could because he looked at Zinchenko like, oh shit, he's on the ground. Do you know like he, he looked shocked that the player was on the ground and thought, fuck, well it must be. It must be a free kick. He's not like and you're right, he did. He waved play on. Like that that's actually Imagine, imagine uh, Martinez had a shift at that quicker the way he wants. Imagine Grealish was playing. Martinez would have had that out to Grealish already. And Banks would have said, hang on, whoa, 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 there's a player on the ground here. <laughs> Everybody stop what you're doing. And like, honestly, like, like that, that is all the validation. We, we talk about like, you know, time wasters and why it always pays off for them. Like there, there's all the validation that any modern day football, football player needs to continue rolling around in the turf and screaming. Like, you know, you're going to fool some referees at the highest level. Like, I always have to say that as well. This is a Premier League referee who changed his mind. He he made the decision, wave play on, like, actually signaled his decision and then changed his mind based on what he was seeing now and what he was hearing, presumably. It, it was like playing five aside and work. Do you know when everyone just stops playing the game of football that we're all agreed to play because somebody might be hurt? It's like, well, get back to him in a second. If the ball comes near him, we'll stop. Yeah, We're not going to stop now just because he screamed. The game's still in play. It wasn't a foil. Let's just play some fucking football. Yeah. There was an incident like that in the Spurs game, and I really always try to avoid being, uh, you know, having one of those classic your da opinions, but... um... I think it was Lo Celso, just, just got caught in the ball, got minced by a Southampton player, lovely clean tackle, screamed. But like he was the furthest player forward and he, he he got dropped to the ground in the tackle anyway. So it wasn't going to affect the rest of the game. And the Spurs players, as Southampton were counter-attacking with men over, they were all running with their hands up. You know, like making out to Southampton, we're doing something wrong here. And like, you know, eventually Spurs got enough players back to then, like, every one of them then was, like, pointing out 
you know, you have to put it out now because he's up, you know, and then suddenly he's bouncing up and, and going again. But we can't be, we can't be pandering to that as well. Like, we, there needs to be, there needs to be more of an element of, we all know what football is. We all know what warrants an injury and we all know like what warrants actually stopping the game. And we all know when somebody like Kanza makes an excellent tackle from behind, clean, goes straight through his keeper, and now Zinchenko's crying on the ground that it's absolutely fine. We can carry on with our lives. Yeah, we do. Third WhatsApp wins. Can you honestly remember a time when Douglas Louise was involved in something and it didn't end up with a free kick to the other team? <laughs> <laughs> I'm including possessions in this. What about that time he tried to pass a ball into the top corner from 45 yards out tonight? <laughs> I mean, Douglas Louise was all over the place tonight. He, play, he tried to play a crossfield ball at one stage and not only was it terribly executed, he played it far too late. Yeah. Like, he takes so long to play it that the pass is read like a fucking book, a Dr. Zayas book. I mean, grow up, Dougie. It's time to move on. We want to some young adult fiction, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and I think this was actually the pass that led to the the free kick that we're talking about, the free kick that should never have been, the Peter Banks, the, the sickening free kick that he gave on Zinchenko. I think, I think yeah, and that's the, the three worst things we've ever seen in a football pitch. Douglas Louise's crossfield ball, the referee <laughs> cock up, and Pep Guardiola revealing himself to be the biggest dick in world football yet again. <laughs> yeah, like Douglas Louise needs to decide what he wants to be. Like, honestly, because here he is now playing against Man City, and I'm actually a bit embarrassed that we were panicking about Man City buying him back. <laughs> he's just, he's running around there, like, not, not having a clue what sort of player he is anymore. He's lost it. And like uh, maybe the positional change hasn't helped, but we all wanted him to have a positional change because it wasn't effective before that. So I don't want to give him that excuse. But he needs to be. I know he's young, right? He's, t- he's twenty two, is he? Something like that, twenty two, twenty three. Yeah. He he needs to be actually talking to his manager and saying like, you know, I I want to be this player. Like I I should be holding our midfield. What the fuck is Nakamba playing for? Like that's what he needs to be saying. I can do this myself. Like. You look at that midfield tonight. Yeah, yeah. The game we always talk about the Villa midfield since January. It's 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 crying out for somebody to not only have a bit of composure and a bit of control, but it's crying out for somebody who knows what they're doing in defence and on the ball. Like there, there's nobody taking the lead there. It's just three people panicking on the ball all the time. And I get that they're under pressure from Man City, but that's where a good midfielder can can help relieve that. And and Villa were getting the ball like they. They were winning ball back off City, even though City were on flying form. They were winning it back, getting it to their midfield, which is exactly what you want, who were then shitting themselves and giving it away to the nearest possible blue jersey. Yeah, it's it's so... like He's having a... He hasn't played well this season, and it's so bizarre because post-lockdown, for those last 10 games of that season, he was he was absolutely immense. I mean, he was only second to Jack Grealish in the Villa team. He was incredible. And that's what got us so excited. That's what got us panicking about Man City wanting them back. And remember, this Villa team was incredibly solid defensively as well after lockdown. 
and they were winning games because they were being decisive in big moments through the midfield. Dougie was getting the ball and he was getting it to Jack Grealish. He was recycling it. He was doing everything you want from a top-class centre midfielder and he's doing none of it now. There's not even a trade-off. It's not like he's lost one to get the other. He's doing nothing. I actually think he sort of personifies the the Jekyll and Hyde season that Villa have had, really. Like, no, that that's the wrong term. Like the black and white season that they've had from from one half of it to the other. Because I think Douglas Louise, we were raving about him earlier in the season that he definitely tailed off before Villa tailed off. But like, you know, if your midfield, if your engine room isn't, not only is it not going well, but if it's going really badly, like that's going to affect the team. Like, so that's why they were going badly. Well, big reason for it before Jack Grealish got injured, and then obviously it got way worse. But when you've got a midfield that's uh, that's that's not dominating any match and not winning their own battles and not winning the the midfield battle and having a bit of a bit of control in there, then like you, you really are hamstrung. And like this is <laughs> honestly, this is why um, this is why like people have been crying out for two strikers. We we'll get to Davis. <laughs> we we'll get to Davis later on, but. It's because like they just want to bypass the midfield. Like the, the midfield has been playing at such a low level that people, and I think fairly so, want to just say, get it in there, just get it up the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've given up on football because like, well, what's the point? Like Villa are finally what you know the like of Martin O'Neill and Trapatonis <laughs> that they were convinced that Ireland were. You know, we don't have the players, like, you know, let's let's stop kidding ourselves, get the ball up there. Yeah, I I think it's going to be really important. Everyone knows Villa need to sign some attackers and desperately need to sign wingers. But they definitely need to sign a defensive midfielder as well. They need to sign a defensive midfielder for whenever they're playing a three. And they need to sign a defensive midfielder who can play alongside Dougie whenever we're playing two to teach him how to do it and also to hold his hand. That's that's such a big, big priority for Villa in in the summer because they need... They need that player and they need it to give us flexibility as well in the different types of systems and different ways we can play. All right, some awards after this. Mike Ashley has turned Newcastle into a discount sports company and appointed a discounted bargain basket manager. Glenn Roder, Kenny Dogalish, Sam Allardyce, and Steve Bruce. <laughs> what a fucking parade of cavemen. Like, that is the only reason Andy Carroll is a professional bubbler. Only Steve Bruce and Neil Warnock have got promoted more times than Mick McCarthy. That's not even a good stat because the good managers kept their teams up <laughs> and then progressed their careers. Dean Smith will never get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Brendan Rodgers won't get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Pep Guardiola once again reveals himself to be a cunt. Do me a fucking favour, as if Jack Grealish needs to go play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to progress his career. <laughs> that is absolutely a step backwards. 
put this on record, United won't be within 10 points of the title. I, I genuinely believe that, and I'm not even trying to exaggerate, it's not hyperbole. Three, four games of, of bad run, United are out of the title race, like that, and that will happen to them, that will definitely happen. What gets Sean Dyche out of bed in the morning? How does he do it? Imagine how exciting a job that would be. Imagine coming home and saying to your partner, I got a new job! I'm a football manager! And then going out and doing that with it? What a waste of time! Steve Bruce is a graying pair of slazenger socks in the basket by the checkout that nobody wants. Only one place to start, really. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. We talked about Douglas Louise, his pass out to Sinchenko. Unforgivable. John McGinn trying another blind pass with his right foot, not even looking at what's happening inside. Just thinks, I'll scoop this from out underneath my body. See what? I oh, shit, Bernardo Silva's away. Um, thankfully, a Villa defender, I think it was Target, saved his bacon. Um, but there's two big ones that we need to get to. Because uh, I think it, it, it's it's sad that that those two your two midfielders just giving balls away to to Man City of all of all of all teams, um like the fact that they're not even going to be in the run for this award is grim. Emmy Martin is coming for the cross for the second goal, the winning goal. Like geez, goalkeepers just can't be given big lumpy defensive midfielders an open net with a when they're just trying to get their head on the ball. Yeah, it's, it's a really weak header from Rodri, so it's a massive shame that Martinez feels like he has to come out. But he feels like he has to come out because he's watching his big lumpy centre half, watching Rodri standing free in the six-yard box. <laughs> Mings is just there with Rodri standing in front of him. It's two or three yards. The only player that Mings can see on the pitch. The only player he has to worry about. And he doesn't even move towards him. I mean, yeah, Emmy shouldn't come out, but I think he feels like he has to. Because Tyrone's doing fuck all. Has uh, I'm being kind, maybe. But has Tyrone just read the, the flight of the ball better? Like, you know, Rodri's really just trying to get his crown of his head onto it there. Like, in the way he's going up. He's going up too early, if anything. Or maybe oh, that's so, wrong, because he scored. So, so <laughs> Mings is reading the flight of the ball well, because he's assuming there's no other humans on the football pitch. I mean, like, yeah, if Rodri's not there, Mings has read it perfectly. Rodri is there! He's scoring. <laughs> yeah, but like Mings knows that Rodri, from his position and from how early he's jumping, he can't get a good head on it. Like if Martinez doesn't come there, like that's that's not in any way a good header. Like it, I sound stupid because it went into the side <laughs> of the net. <laughs> if if Rodri wasn't six foot four and Mings was absolutely banged to rights, <laughs> but. Um, I like, he, he, I don't know if he's calculated all this in his head, but like maybe subconsciously he's thinking, ah, he's not getting a. I don't need to go with him there because the ball is coming here. He's in the six yard box. <laughs> <laughs> the ball is going to him. What do you mean? What are you talking about? But all he can do is get a flick on the crown of his head, facing away and into like, the net. If <laughs> if your keeper doesn't fuck up, he just catches it. Well, that's awesome. Mings should let people have free headers in the box in the assumption <laughs> that Emmy Martinez will just catch the resulting header. You're right, actually. You, no. let's, let's, let's go back and give this award to John McGinn for playing a blind pass. <laughs> he should, 
he should let no he shouldn't let people have free headers but in his case he's letting him have a free header knowing that he can't score but he just wasn't what are you talking about he wasn't everybody everybody can score a free header from outside the six yard box but it wasn't a free header as such it was a it was. He just got his head on it. There wasn't a header. He didn't. It wasn't one of those ones where he, like the keepers just planted the spot, thinking, "What the fuck am I defense doing?" Do you know because he's just banged the header and a Mitrovic header. I'm thinking of. Do you know he's just he's just jumped up, got anything on it. It was like a defensive header of anything. And just, because Martinez is balls up, he's gone in. Just jumped up, got anything on it, and scored the winner. <laughs> All right, so we're adding Mings to this list then. <laughs> well, actually. It doesn't matter because the the winner is clear for everyone to see. Yet two one down, Man City giving up trying to score. Villa of an extra man, like Matt Cash on Phil Foden. There's there's actually there's three elements to this fuck up, which is you know means that it's so far out in its own. Like any one of these three could could win it. Like just giving the ball away to start off with, infuriating shit basically, and then. And then the way he reacts to a completely non-threatening situation. Like, Phil Foden's taking the ball off him at left-back. Mm-hmm. And Matt Cash has just, like, committed himself so wholly. Like, like giving Phil Foden the opportunity to skin him. Does not need to be diving in there. And then when he does dive in, he doesn't need to be mincing him 25 yards out. Like, you know, 20, 25 yards out from Foden's own goals on the on the sideline. Like, it's so far away from being a from being a dangerous situation and, and also even if it was a dangerous situation which again couldn't be further from it like cashier on a yellow card like you know this is worse i would rather be three one down with with 11 men than have cash go off the pitch but like we were never going to be three one down is the point i would rather give away the chance is what i mean yeah you'd rather give away a chance from 75 yards out yeah yeah and like i, I hope Matt Cash went into the right change room after he walked down the tunnel because he was playing right in the city's hands all night. <laughs> he was dreadful from the start. Caught out for the first goal. Moronic to lunge in like that two minutes after being booked. And booked by Peter Banks, who was <laughs> desperate to make it up to Pep Guardiola as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think he um he came into this game. Like, rightly so. We know he, he's, man, he's marking Foden anyway, but... Foden was amazing in Manchester when these two teams met and we actually we praised Cash that night because Foden got the better of him but Cash just did enough to hang in there he limited him you know he he didn't win the battle but like he did as well as anybody would have done that night Mm. but it was like that had scrambled with his head coming into this game and uh, you know he was just so pent up I felt like he, he was rash all night there was there was one where Foden had a really bad touch and all Cash had to do was take the ball out of defence or just pass it to Trory, who was free, and he just slid tackle him and give away the corner. Mm. Do you know, I know he didn't get a shout for that one, he cleared for a corner, but like, you know, it wasn't he wasn't even going to look. Do you know like it that that was a chance to look because it was such a bad shot from Mares. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, there was there was loads of time to have a look and actually question, would Foden really be in here now? Like do you know, there was no way he would have been. He's he's he was yeah, he, he was on panic mode the whole night, and like it led right up to that. Yeah, he was on panic mode, and like you know, it's slightly understandable if he wasn't a professional footballer. I mean, Foden was amazing, 
But like even that one that they were all talking about in Sky, you know, where Foden takes the ball out of the, takes yes. the ball out of the sky. Like that 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 is it was an incredible touch from Foden and he does so well to control the ball when it's caught underneath his legs. And they, but they, let's be honest, the ball is caught underneath his legs. Yeah. If you want to mince Phil Foden, now's your chance, Matty. <laughs> this is the time. Just kick through him and kick the ball. And definitely don't like he doesn't even do anything clever after that. Like he just runs around him. He takes a couple of touches and goes around him. It, it, it is brilliant. But it, it was just on top of everything else that Matty Cash did wrong tonight and just seeing that replay over and over again. It's frustrating. Well, it's frustrating because like they were showing the replay and as they were watching, like what, what was happening there is Phil Foden was hacking the ball from underneath him and like hitting it off Cash and getting it past him eventually. And, and they were saying... A couple of little flicks there as well. It's like he's just poking the ball past him. Yeah. You know, he's trying to dig it out from the ground and underneath his body. But, like, I'm not taking away from Foden, but Cash definitely wins this award, even above Tyrone Mings, who had nothing to do with that goal. <laughs> um, you let Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award. Pep Guardiola holding Foden back for three years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it doing? Protecting him from the. From the tortures that have befallen Jude Bellingham, <laughs> look at the look at what's happening to the poor Jude Bellingham now. When they they released him at seventeen, yeah. you, did you want that to be your life, Phil Foden? And make and make no mistake about it, though Pep Guardiola will take credit for that. And people will we we obviously don't have the the counterfactual, but every time I saw Phil Foden when he was seventeen, when he was eighteen, when he was nineteen, he was brilliant. <laughs> he was always brilliant. He was always just this player. I don't think there was any need to hold him back. Obviously, I can't say that now because it has worked out subsequently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is now one of the best players in the world. But Jesus Christ. And it's particularly confusing as well because Pep Guardiola, and he was probably right, told us all that Phil Foden's one of the best players he's ever worked with. So why didn't you fucking play him? Yeah. Like, there, there was absolutely no need to hold him back. He's clearly, like, you wouldn't even need to have seen him during those years that you're talking about, and to know now, like he could not be this good right now without being that good last year or the year before. <laughs> like the only reason he held him back was because he could. Like he just had the luxury of it. But really risky decision considering he's lost he's lost, you know, Jaden Sancho himself. Like, you know, by doing that, Phil mm-hmm. Foden's even better. Like obviously Phil Foden played the long game, wanted to stick around under Pep, maybe he knew that he was developing well under this guy anyway. I'm sure he was. Obviously he has. But um and just on top, I just didn't need to from a football point of view, but also didn't need to play him. So, yeah, he gets away with it. He gets away with this one, but he's still nominated for the award. Keeping Marvelous Nakamba on at 11 v 10. Um, I mean, like, just there's so many reasons to not keep Nakamba on anyway. to not play him, but, like, I, I don't... When Villa have an extra man and Man City are deciding to, like, let's not let Villa score... I don't need to see Marvis Nakamba standing at number ten, overseeing everything. <laughs> you know, just just watching everything like unfold in front of him. Like I, I don't need him in there. He's just taking up space. If anything, yeah. But he went he went to four four two, and he didn't want Dougie and McGinn. He's tried that before, and Dougie and McGinn without a number ten in front of him is just even even more bothersome. I'm sure. I mean, it was still it was eleven v ten, but it was eleven v Man City's ten. You know. I can understand why he left them on. Mm. All right. Uh, well, bringing Ross 
Barclay on. <laughs> I actually didn't even finish writing that down. It was just I, I, I instantly wrote it when I saw him coming on. Um, and sure enough, what was the first thing he did? He tried to play a sixty-yard cross-field pass over the fullback's head that hit the ground almost as soon as it left his fucking foot. <laughs> Jesus Christ! He he whipped in a good corner. That's all I'll say. Um, and that was it. It, it, it. There was a two-minute period where I thought, "Huh, he looks better on the left." What do you know? But I think he only looked better on the left because he was getting less touches. <laughs> but he got about six touches and he gave the ball away three times. There was that sixty-yard <laughs> crossfield pass. There was one outside the boot pass down the line to nobody. It was just an outside the boot pass to Kyle Walker. Yeah. And then there was one where he just kicked the ball to Foden instead of Douglas Louise, just in the center of midfield. What like what are you doing? You, like, you can't you can't just play blind passes against Man City. You never do that. Into centre midfield with the opposition advanced as well. You're mad. Under no circumstances do that. And it's against Man City. You need fucking locking up. Let their fullbacks play centre midfield for fuck's sake. <laughs> and that's probably why. I'm happier to see him on the. I'm not happy to see him at all, but on the wing. But it's not a. It's not a reason to, to play somebody out there either. That you just don't want them. You just don't want them to have the opportunity to play blind passes or to, or yeah. to get caught on the ball. Like that's just a reason to put somebody off the team. That if out you, in the wing. Exactly. If you don't want to play a centre midfield, centre midfield, you don't play him. Yeah. Uh, last one, bringing El Ghazi on. <laughs> just, not picking on El Ghazi, but like we. We we know what he's going to offer at this stage, especially against a, a good fullback, and and that's very little. And I I think maybe I'm just thinking, ugh, you know, everybody got excited when he saw Chukwemeka on the bench, and I've been seeing him ripping it up on the FA Youth Cup and for the under twenty threes, and it's like, yeah, like you know, why not just play this guy? We know what we're getting from Milgazi; it won't be much. Um, season's over anyway. Like, just just get these boys on now. Like, what's the point in playing Barkley and Milgazi from? From a logical point of view, anyway, because like it's not going to from a, from a short term point of view, because they're not going to get his results or help get them. Um, and just from a long term point of view, like these guys might actually be quite important next year, hopefully. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question, but like I, I the game was still two one. It, it was our game in hand. It was like you know it was a free shot at it. We we could have brought him on from that perspective, but we also. Or Dean Smith certainly didn't think the game was over. He still thought there was something there to get. He didn't want to just take a risk by bringing on a 17-year-old. Like well, El Ghazi has scored a lot of goals for Villa. Very, very intermittently. But yeah. you know, he hasn't scored in a while. <laughs> yeah, there. I have Pep Guardiola winning this award. Though Phil Foden's too good to not be playing for all those years. Agreed. The Vyman meter... Going down, Matt Cash going down, Emmy Martinez, first time in a while. Going down, Douglas Louise. Going down, Ross Barkley, along with his fitness for some <laughs> mad reason. Like this is this is mad. This boy is supposed to be coming back from fitness and it seems to be getting worse. Going down, Keenan Davis. I batted for you, man. I <laughs> I was cheerleading for you. I was giving out about Dean Smith. For not playing Dean Keenan Davis more often, he comes on. He, he gets a half this time again. I was disappointed they didn't start. 
especially when he looks at the team they start off with. He gets a full half. There's 10 men for only 11 minutes, thanks to Matt Cash. Um, Keenan Davis' problem is that he doesn't believe he's going to score. Do you know, it's it's like it's like that he's not fully committing to actually trying to score for those crosses that are coming into the box. And I mentioned a good corner from Berkeley. Like that, that's there they put in. Rodri puts that away with the crown <laughs> of his head. <laughs> but um, Davis is sort of like ducking underneath these balls, and like there, there was a ball from Cash that he didn't seem to didn't seem to really go after. And it's like here yeah, that, that was there, and you you didn't go for it. And then like I talked about the lack of um. I talked about Man City being there for the taking uh, in that game. That, that that one-on-one with Kyle Walker, I didn't even know it was a one-on-one, but the ball was going out of play. Uh, well, Davis thought it was going out of play on the left wing for Villa. And he just stopped and, and watched it trickle towards the sideline. Like, you know, even if this wasn't a game of football, that would be a weird decision anyway. You know, like, just just go get it and turn around. You get the ball, have a bit of fun. <laughs> but um, he wanted to let it roll out and then Kyle Walker just went steaming past him kept it in, ran down the right wing and like this is a sub coming on as well he's trying to prove himself that's that's not good enough but it was sort of it summed up the whole performance but definitely not what I want to see from from Davis who has to oh, he has to do more to to make me win these arguments basically <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and I think you've called it right there. I don't think he, I don't think he has the belief in himself. I'm not sure if Keenan Davis is ever going to make it. I think I've said this before. He's, he's got a lot of really admirable qualities, but I just don't think quality is one of them, and that's unfortunate for a, a Premier League centre forward. I mean, he, he still hasn't scored. He like he was never going to score tonight after Cash got sent off. But he, you're right. He did it. He did a lot of things where he could have just he could have gone at it with a bit more bite, a bit more aggression, but he didn't. And even the one where you know there's a question of whether or not he could have won the penalty when he nipped in ahead of Ederson. It's like is he a bit cleverer there? He could have he could have forced that contact a bit earlier, a bit like I'm not I'm not advocating for him to to die, but it just it just goes to show that he doesn't have he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have the killer instinct. I don't think to be a centre forward. Yeah. Yeah, I and part of me was still like to see him start a game, but I think you know, in fairness to Dean Smith, I, look, there's the evidence. Like I don't know what he would be using. It would be blind faith, really. It's, it's me thinking we saw him start the game after lockdown last year. Like you know, and he was good, but you're right, he was always just missing that, like the the nice as well. Like you yeah, have a proper centre forward. Like, well, Ollie Watkins is like Ollie Watkins has everything, and, and he has that. And I'm not saying this in a hurricane type of like you know, uh, cheating cleverness. I'm saying this in a striker like he knows how to, he knows how to maneuver his body. He knows how to gain advantages. He knows when he's fouled. He knows how to draw a foul. Like you know, um, knows how to get you up the pitch. Knows how to score. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what Watkins is, and it's definitely not what what Davis is. And it's a shame because this game just just came too too early for Wesley. Like you know, he might have made it back otherwise. <laughs> Oh, fuck Wesley, but I was actually I was delighted whenever I saw that sub being made. I was like, "Well, there you go, fucking hanging your balls out now, Dean Smith. Fair fucks to you. Two <laughs> yeah. one down against Man City, a man up, and you're bringing on a centre forward. That's that's just like you know that's what that's what we all wanted him to do for the last couple of games. People have accused him of not making changes quick enough, of not being brave enough, of sticking to the same things. And there he goes and tries it, and it just didn't work out. It was 
it was annoying given how excited I was when I saw it. So I actually, whenever I saw him coming on, clapped my hands together and said, here we fucking go. <laughs> and uh, going up, Ezri Konza. That, that's about it, really. Yeah, Konza was Konza. Was Konza. And maybe Trezeguet because your stock goes up when you're not playing. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm thinking, God, I wouldn't mind Trezeguet playing out there. Um, last, last but not least, questions we can't answer, but probably will coming up after this. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Did I read Tyrone Mings's lips right in the second half? Yeah, I didn't see it. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to explain. I'm not a professional lip reader, but I know if I was a journalist in Spain, I would be going to town on this now. But it was so. I'm so clear what he said. To be honest, I can. I can safely say what he said. It was three syllables said three or said two different ways. Like. It, he um he he tried to tried to make a crossfield ball. I said, why why do so many Villa players try to make crossfield balls? <laughs> but he was on the halfway line. He tried to ping it across to the right hand side. I think Terori might have still been playing, and um it was under pressure. Somebody sort of blocked it down. He hacked it. It went way up in the air. Man City ended up winning the ball back, but or it might have gone out for a throw in or something like that. But Ross Barkley to his left, I assume, was complaining about something. Because the camera was close up on Tyrone Mings in. And you saw him, what I believe to be saying, fuck off, Ross. Fuck off, man. But like, and, you know, somebody else might just bat that away and say, look, they're playing football. That's what happens. You know, people get agitated at each other. People have phones out. People tell each other to fuck off. It doesn't mean anything. But it was said with such, like, again, what I believe he said. <laughs> it was like, just like such dismissiveness. Like, you know, who are you to be asking or to be demanding that I should be giving you the ball four meters away from me? You know, just, just fuck off, Ross. Like, you know, go do something with you. Like, that's what it seemed like to me. And I was happy. I was actually thinking, I am sticking Mings up on the Vyman meter. But you shat all over that earlier. <laughs> Throw Mings, man of the people. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? Did I read it right or not? I didn't well, see it. Well, I suppose can't answer it, so... <laughs> Does Dean Smith have to smile at Pep Guardiola when he's been a prick at full time to the referee? I think Dean Smith's just a nice fella and he just like he knows you can see the way he looks at Pep Guardiola whenever Pep Guardiola's being a prick and he knows exactly what Pep Guardiola is. But when it comes to the end of it, shake his hand and get off there. Like, you know, it's grand. Just smile and just don't speak to him for another six months. That's all Dean Smith wants. Yeah, I'd say you're right. I'd say Dean Smith is a, a better frame of mind than I do. Um, because, <laughs> I, like, you know, Dean Smith isn't too nice. Like, you know, he he's quite happy to call people out when they have to be called out or have an argument or to complain at referees. I like I like that element of him, especially the fourth officials as well. But, um. Yeah, this was this was Pep giving a big sarcastic thumbs up to the referee for daring to play twenty extra seconds of the three minutes that were added on um, at the end of the game, you know, and then he turns and gives a, a big sort of smile to a big over dramatic smile at Dean Smith who's smiling at Pep's gestures and I just said, "Ah, fuck off!" Like it was straight after the game, so I just wanted Smith to. <laughs> you're right like you know <laughs> the right thing to do there is just walk away and don't worry about pepping him for for half a year but um i want them to be like what 
what what are you saying there? <laughs> but what does anybody gain out of that? But like he did this before as well. Was it was it a, was it this season at Villa Park where Pep was making an absolute tit of himself again and he was roaring and screaming? And then I think Pep something clicked where he realized, oh fuck, I'm in the wrong yeah. here. And then he tried to pretend like he wasn't actually he wasn't yeah. actually fussed of it anymore. He, and he kind of smiled. He he was suggesting that Tyrone Mings was wasting time in the 30th minute. <laughs> And that's what Smith was basically saying to him, like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and, and then, yeah, he smiled and gave him a big, he stuck his hand way to his side, he gave him a big high five and laugh at it. And I, I said to you on the podcast, people should go back because it's actually at the very start, it's a preview to the podcast of the, the Man City game back in January, was it? And I said to you, um, oh, I, I like that, you know, from Pep, like a bit of crack and stuff. And you said, he's a narky little prick, fuck off. <laughs> And I was right. <laughs> it turns out you were right. Um, so walk away, Dean Smith. Does Jamie Redknapp actually think doing Zumba at the screen is good broadcasting? <laughs> Look, Jamie Redknapp doing Zumba at the screen is better than Jamie Redknapp talking about football. <laughs> Fair enough. We can throw that one out. Um, will, will people now learn that most people in the world are stupid. <laughs> What's this in reference to? <laughs> the Super League. Like, look, let's do a quick one on it. Obviously, we all got the result we wanted yesterday. Um, But, like, it, it's, it's important that you all go away from this podcast tonight thinking that you should never overestimate the intelligence of people. You know, the worst thing in the world is just how many people are conditioned to believe that someone else is better than them. You know, if someone else would do a do a better job. Honestly, like too often, like you, know, you find you find all these millions and millions of people, billions, asking, like, you know, ah, who who am I to be that one? Like who who am I to speak up then? Then what happens is you just assume that people in higher positions all know what they're doing and that they all deserve to be there. Like, go into any, like, I'd say this with confidence, go into any company in the world, the amount of incompetent chancers spoofing their way through, you don't have a clue what they're doing, making other people do the job for them or hoping that other people do the job for them. And then you have... You have these numpties in the Super League trying to change the face of football as we know it with billions and billions, trillions of pounds at stake. Like, it would be billions of pounds of an investment and then they're talking about making trillions of pounds. Like, that that's this is the level that we're talking about. This is the biggest sport in the world that they're threatening to change forever to make it an, one of the biggest businesses of all time, if not the biggest. And they don't have a clue what they're doing. Like you know, you scratch the surface a little bit and you see that. You you just assume that these boys would have things covered, and like they, they have the affront to to say like that they're actually trying to save football, but then they can't even provide any little detail. They can't give you one figure. They can't give you a timeline. They couldn't even design a logo for fuck's sake. And like, <laughs> and the first bit of resilience, I'm guilty of it too because I said this on Monday when we did that bonus podcast. Like, I assumed that that they were aware that there would be a backlash to this. 
like this actually interested me because I was thinking, right, well, do you know when you sit down to have an argument with somebody? When you sit down to have an argument with somebody, you have a planned argument with somebody. Like, but you know when you're thinking of arguments and generally what you should do is think like what would be the counter argument to this point? Do you know, and that's how you start moving on society, never mind the argument. <laughs> like, you know, but um that's what that's what you generally should do, you know, if you want to try and win an argument, never mind just think properly. But like I, I assume that that they would have thought, right, we're gonna announce this. This is gonna fuck football over. So there's going to be some resistance. Now we have to we have to be aware of that and we have to have a plan for that. So I was interested to know what their plan was. And like <laughs> one day of people saying that they don't like this and they fucking folded like they folded like john stones under a high ball (laughs) it was the quickest weakest most pointless bit of administration i've ever seen and this was like one of the biggest plans of all time at stake and they didn't have a clue what they're doing and like honestly just reiterate the point do not overestimate the intelligence of some people a lot of people are smart but most people they are not, and this just proves it. Yeah, and what was all this predicated on? A desire to increase the revenues so they can increase their profits? I've got a better idea. Don't spend $80 million on Harry Maguire. <laughs> Don't spend $350 million a year on salaries on a bloated squad of average players. Man United gave Phil Jones a new contract two years ago. <laughs> Phil Jones? <laughs> he hasn't played since, and he's Phil Jones. <laughs> 80 grand a week saved, there you go. And their second choice left back is on 100 grand a week. And he's shite. <laughs> Chelsea spent 70 million on Kepa. They're giving him 150 grand a week. <laughs> their first, their third choice left back is on 100 grand a week. I mean, these clubs are in an arm race of their own making with players' wages and salaries. And they're complaining about operating losses. William's getting 200 grand a week to not score for Arsenal he hasn't scored for them David Louise and Granite Xhaka Granite Xhaka are on 100 grand a week I mean when you're all meeting up to figure out how you can pilfer fans how about agreeing that you've let transfer fees get out of hand make an agreement on a salary cap per club like I'm not trying to figure out ways to make these arseholes more money I'm accepting they're going to do that anyway. So let's come up with some strategies that will at least level the sporting playing field instead of trying to destroy competition. Like, how about we force them to be more efficient with their money instead of allowing them to create a fucking oligopoly? Yeah. Yeah, like, it doesn't fucking matter how much money we waste here. Like, that's the way it is at the minute. You know, nobody in that meeting of the super people questioned, like, yeah. Hang on. Granit Xhaka is your club captain? It seems like it seems like we're not the wisest with our money. Maybe we should bring somebody else in, in here in this meeting. Um, but then again, like the the alternative is no. Look, it's a better alternative. But I wish that we would change and now focus our attention on the revamped Champions League, which is just like, like there, there you go. There's another example of people just not having a clue what they're doing, and like the revamped Champions League is is laid bare for everyone to see. Thirty six teams. You'll play. <laughs> They're all in one league, but you'll only play ten matches. And after those ten matches, we will <laughs> we will find the best twenty four teams who will now advance. Like, where, where do you start with this one? Thirty six clubs in the same league, but each club only plays ten of the thirty six, so they're not in the same league, right? Wrong. 
They are. Wait, what? <laughs> so you're competing for qualification against teams that aren't playing the same games? Like, you can also qualify for this competition even if you finish below another team in your domestic league, so long as you used to be good. So if the Premier League finished today, the Europa League spot for the FA Cup winners would go to the league, and that would be Liverpool. So Liverpool would qualify for the Champions League after finishing sixth behind West Ham just because they used to be good and because Chelsea won the FA Cup and finished fourth. Spurs could qualify for the Champions League even if City beat them in the EFL Cup because the EFL Europa Conference League spot, look it up, it sounds terrible, would come to them because they're seventh in the league behind West Ham and because Pochettino got them to the final two years ago and only teams above them on the club coefficients, apart from fucking Arsenal, will almost certainly qualify legitimately for the Champions League and won't need this fucking bye ball, this hand-me-down. Like Spurs and Liverpool would qualify for the Champions League essentially because Man City did the double and Chelsea won the FA Cup because Spurs used to have Pochettino as their manager and Liverpool used to have Van Dijk as their centre-half. Like this is this is not the pyramid that Chelsea fans were protesting for. <laughs> like that's it's just it's just reeks of unfairness again. Like and like it, it, there's always a lot of randomness in all this as well. Like they think it's not random, but if a team who finishes seventh in their league is making the Champions League, then it's fucking random. It's this is over a season. That's why we have a season so we can decide where teams place fairly. The league table doesn't lie. Well, it does now apparently. <laughs> Uh, very last one, and you're not going to like this, Liam. How long until the Mourinho to Villa chat starts? Same cunt, different players. <laughs> Isn't it absolutely hilarious that I went off on a rant about Jose Mourinho's man management skills, his inflexibility, the fact that not only is his only motivational technique to call his players shit his technique is to do it publicly and the next game week he comes out with that shit i mean the stupidity pitifulness narcissism all that is just mind-boggling but leave but leaving aside same coach different players that's not a defense those are precisely the points yes they are different players so maybe you should try a different approach Maybe you should treat them differently. Same coach. Oh, so you do know you're a fucking coach then? Why didn't you fucking coach them? And the hypocrisy, the, just, the abdication of responsibility is ludicrous. And from a man who would walk past the fucking Mona Lisa and say she's smiling in the, because he's in the room. Like, <laughs> a team that he's managed has never won a game without him taking credit for it. And they've never lost without the players being blamed. As he was falling apart, at Man United, he spent the last year just stripping away the responsibilities he thought a football manager had in every interview he did. Like, it's not his job to motivate players. They have to do that themselves. Tactics are overrated. You have to be a cunt. And the arrogance of that. His employers are watching this and paying him 10 million quid a year. There's another 10 million saved. Like, what are we paying you for? <laughs> like, what do you think you're being paid for? He was getting paid 200 grand a week. And he thought... And repeatedly said this in public that he didn't have any responsibilities. Yeah. He thought his job was before the game to pick a goalkeeper, three six foot four centre midfielders, 
and seven other players. And then after the game, tell everyone Martial, Rashford and Shaw are shit. That's what he thought his job was. <laughs> and people lap it up is the, is the unfortunate thing about it all. Or one of the unfortunate things. But like this is the this is the point as well that that's always it comes up like so many of these managers who are getting so well paid like we, we've had it in Ireland far too often in recent years and, and then they, they come out and say like what do you expect me to do like look at the state of the players and say well, well what are we paying you for like nobody seemed to ask that question back to them then like what why am I paying you such good money if you just come in now and said you can do fuck all and, and Mourinho is just the king of, the, of that bracket now and like I don't know where he goes next it must be international but um, yeah, like it's, I hope it's Sky because he's, he's a lot, a lot more fun on that, and he's a lot better than Jamie Redknapp. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, next defeat coming up on Sunday night against West Brom at home. That'll be a tough one to take. <laughs> so we'll um, we'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure, about that. And uh, Sam Allardyce will get a good doing in then. So do join us, and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.